Hello, friends, fellow writers, novelists, all kinds of wordsmiths. Wanted to bring you probably what will be a relatively quick-hitting episode, uh, just because it's relevant to me now, and I believe that it will be relevant to you, if not right now, then in the very near future. And what we're going to talk about is guest appearances on podcasts. This is TRBM, a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. I'm going to try to cover this as thoroughly as I know how to. Um, Of course, I am not prolific in my guest appearances on other podcasts, which is something that I'm currently trying to change. Uh, So the biggest thing that I wanted to bring back to you is that I just started last weekend really putting an emphasis on trying to guest on other podcasts. And so uh, a good deal of what I have to say will be incomplete data, but I guess that's sort of how I work is I tell you what I'm doing in the moment and share those results with you in case it's something that you want to replicate. Uh, The first thing is probably the most economically driven piece of the puzzle. It's something that maybe if you're on a shoestring budget and you can't afford expenses might not be the best place to start, but it's something you can try if you have 30 or so dollars to spare. Uh, And that is spending money on a two-day premium membership to a website called listennotes.com. I will have uh, a link in the show notes for you so that you can go directly there. One cool thing about Listen Notes is that you can use some of its features for free, but it's going to cap how thoroughly you can use those resources if you choose not to pay. And what that looks like is you can do keyword searches for any podcast that's on Listen Notes. And so far, it seems to be a very exhaustive compendium, believe that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Catalog is a safer word. It's an exhaustive catalog of podcasts out there. One thing that you would want to look at is how recently the podcast was updated. So because it's exhaustive, there will be plenty of podcasts out there that the last update they had was uh, a year ago, two months ago, six months ago. You just want to be aware because when you're going to spend the time to give some outreach and try to be a guest on a podcast, you don't want to be hitting up people who either quit or are on on a break. Um, And you might even want to consider schedule frequency. How frequently are they putting out episodes? Uh, Useful things that you're going to find on listen notes will be what's called a listen score. It tells you how many listeners are frequently tuning into that podcast. There are going to be some mixed thoughts and feelings about this. At my current place, where I'm at, what I'm trying to achieve. I really don't even hit up podcasts if they don't have an established listen score. And and again, the listen score starts with top 10% of podcasts. So if you go on there and you'll see a listing for a podcast, uh, the listen score is predominantly there in bold. And if it doesn't have one, that means that the podcast itself is in the bottom 90% of podcasts. You'd think that a top 10% podcast would be a a fairly large audience. But the truth is, is that this scales um, 
exponentially. And so to be in the top 10%, really all you have to do is publish weekly. If you're just publishing your show weekly, then you're going to be in the top 10%. If you aren't that frequent, you might not hit the top 10% unless you have a larger audience. There are some notable exceptions. Um, I just don't know them, but there are definitely podcasts that that are more focused on production value, uh, storytelling, and, and might have uh, as infrequent as once per month. So you might find shows that only release 12 episodes. Uh, I guess a good example would be maybe shows that are uh, serialized. So you would have uh, podcasts like Dr. Death that maybe have a 10 show run, but they are kind of perennially beloved uh, and they will have really no frequency, but they will be uh, really high on their listen scores. Now, something to keep in mind with a show that's serialized is you're not really going to do yourself any favors by pitching it because they're not taking guests. That would be the next thing that I would move on to with this listen notes, listen score type of situation is you can actually do a very small amount of research just on the website itself to determine the kind of show that you're pitching. What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when the time you spend doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, highly tested and targeted formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself, where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following and millions of copies sold. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books and losing 50 to 70% of your hard-earned money, that you're making through sales. Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readership. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. And depending on what you're pitching, uh, you don't have to do only interview type shows, but look for markers on the listen notes page for the podcast to see, do they do interviews? Um, sometimes you won't be able to determine the kind of podcast just from the listing itself. And when that's the case, there's a couple of things that you can do on the free plan. You can just copy paste the name of the show. If you can find the name of the host that can help and then enter that into a separate search tab uh, and see what you can find online. Almost always, they're going to have some kind of presence on Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever you call it these days. It's twitter.com, but it's X. So we're having an identity crisis there. Um, You can find them on Facebook, LinkedIn, all kinds of different places such as that. And that would be a good place to start to determine what kind of show it is. Here is what I have found. 
when you're doing this, you're going to need to pitch a high volume of podcasts to get a fairly small number of positive responses. Uh, and so I will interject to say that so far I have sent 103 requests to be on podcasts. I have one confirmed interview. I have a second that we're working on a booking window. Uh, so that's a hit rate of just over 1%, uh, which could signify a couple of things. Uh, one, it could mean that I'm doing a poor job targeting. I That's very possible. When you send out 103 requests, uh, the quality of the show that, that you're trying to be compatible with, uh, it's not the quality of the show, but that you're trying to be compatible with, you might have some misses there. So um, factoring all that in, you want to go fast enough that you can get a lot of volume out there, but go slow enough that you're not going to get a bad reputation in the industry. Uh, you'll find out from me later if I actually have to struggle with that at all. Um, I've also only gotten about three people responding and saying, we're all full up at this time or don't feel like this is a good fit. Um, and there are a variety of reasons for that. Um Largely probably because even with 62 reviews on Amazon for uh, The Nine Lives of Marvin DeLonghi, I'm not a hugely successful author in that regard yet. And so I'm sure that there are people who just feel like they could probably book somebody uh, of higher uh, priority than me. I was going to say renown. What an old, frumpy kind of word renown is. So as you're sending out the podcast prompts, if you do it free... Most likely, you can just message them via Instagram and they will see your message. Maybe not immediately if you're not mutually following each other, because as you likely know, Instagram, <laughs> excuse me, still getting over a little bit of a cough, actually, the longest cough of my life. It's been almost a month. <laughs> so uh, Instagram itself will uh, bucket the messages. They'll let you message almost everybody. You actually have to manually change that setting. Otherwise, it's just set to allow, but it will also dump it into a um, less priority message box. And depending on people and how, how good they are at checking those message boxes, you may sit in purgatory for quite a long time, possibly forever. The same is true of X slash Twitter. Uh, you can message many, many people um, and uh, you'll just have to hope that they see that message. The other thing that you can do uh, is send out emails. And I wish that I could say that email was a more reliable way to get in touch with people, but even email itself will put some emails into the spam folder. And, and it's very likely you know this, but if it goes into the spam folder, you're never going to get seen. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with following back up if you haven't heard from people. In fact, later in the show, we'll talk about the, the method for following up and what you might want to do to try to get the wheels spinning on some of the ones you haven't heard back from. Um, you want to track everything that you're doing. And, and this is one area where I would say, take some time to set up some kind of spreadsheet. You can do it in a Word file or any kind of like word processing file. I prefer Excel or something along those lines. People love, uh, what is it called? Google Sheets. I don't use it. I don't like it. I'm, I guess, slightly a Luddite in that way. I prefer Excel on my computer. I know how it works, where things are, blah, blah, blah. Do what's right for you, but have a spreadsheet, the name of the podcast, the name of the host, um, and the date that you reached out to them. And 
and kind of follow up as well as somewhere to uh, log that they have replied. You don't need to do double work and log the reply right there in the spreadsheet. Just like let yourself know that they replied on this date and what the source was. So for me, I have like a, a column that just says um, date replied and underneath, if they replied, then there's a note in there, um, you know, Gmail or uh, I also use Zoho Mail. Um, maybe I'll talk about that another time because I really like Zoho in terms um, of trying to run lean. You can actually have a professional uh, email address using Zoho just once. So you need to be careful that it's set up for the website that you want it to be set up for. Um, and then, you know, like maybe Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever they replied to you, just have that so that you can find that person and go directly to their reply. And it's great to keep track of this stuff because it will get messy the more responses you get. So as you're reaching out to podcasts, uh, keeping that spreadsheet going, you're going to start to see traction at some level um, and have an idea of what you want to talk about. So let's get into a little bit of the pitch itself. This is, I think, probably an area of more conflict than many people will originally understand. There are probably several schools of thought, two that I know of. One is I'll get on any podcast I can because no publicity is bad publicity. And I'll talk about whatever somebody wants me to talk about if I can get their attention. Um, that's kind of my school of thought right now is volume uh, over fit. And try to get anywhere I can to talk about things because there is no podcast interview that I'm aware of right now where you don't end the show by telling people where to find you. So maybe uh, you really want to promote your novel, but it's not a show that does book reviews and uh, talks about uh, emerging authors or established authors. Um, maybe you can still go on there and talk about literacy. I have one podcast, the one that I told you I'm scheduling for. Uh, they prioritize childhood literacy. I happen to have three boys. Two are on the spectrum. Uh, one of them absolutely hates to read. And so talking about literacy and ways to get uh, young readers involved in literature and, and loving this kind of stuff is a topic that I'm very familiar with. It's one that I think I can add some value to. Uh, and at the end, I can say, hey, this may not be perfect for your audience, but I do write books and uh, they have mature themes. So the adults out there who are helping their, their kids to be better readers may love these books. You can find them here. That's a great way to do the pitch, but I don't include that uh, in a forefrontal kind of way if I'm pitching a show outside of my uh, hit zone. I'll talk politics if somebody wants me to. I don't know why they would because I really don't have very many um, well-reasoned uh, thoughts on the subject. I'll talk diet and nutrition. I love diet and nutrition. Um, it's been something central to my life. I've experimented with a lot of different diets, so I might be a great fit for some shows that are, are looking for that kind of a conversation. Uh, I love finance and money, so I will talk about about finance and money. It's been one of the things that's allowed me to do what I'm doing uh, is uh, a mastery of finance. People don't often love my answers, but that almost gives them more of a reason to have me on the show because I do come with unconventional, sometimes grading opinions about how to use finance to gain wealth and do the things you want to do in your life. So those are all topics that I would love to talk about. Uh, I can talk entertainment. I can talk movies. I can talk uh, so many different subjects, podcasting. I can talk marketing. Um, I don't have to necessarily just talk marketing about books. I can talk about uh, expanded marketing. I've I've worked for a billion dollar company. It's a international company and I was a high level manager for them for a while, really focusing on sales and marketing. So it's something that I know a great deal about. And I personally would not uh, write off 
any of those areas as areas where you can get on a podcast and have conversations with people. I'm four books into a nine book series and every single day lately, I find myself thinking, boy, it would be great if I had some central location for all of my notes, all of my plot points, character names, family lineages, you name it. I wish it was in one place because let's be honest, the way that I am using Microsoft Word as a word processor and have 55 different documents to keep track of all of the series details that I need to access, I'm taking more time opening up files wondering, why did I name this one that? Why did I name this one that? And not getting the information I need. Enter Scrivener. You guys know that I do not advertise for things unless A, I'm using them myself, and B, I think that you could up your game, sell more books, do better marketing, and get yourself in the game better. And that is why I am now partnered with Scrivener. If you use the link in the show notes, you get a 30-day free trial, and then you can sign up as well for a discount. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Don't be afraid to pitch outside of your area. And then when you do that, understand that those kind of podcast interviews very likely have a low conversion rate on what you're actually there to sell. And when I say actually there to sell, you want to help people, but you also want people to read your books. Um, So be sure that you understand if you get on a finance show because you have some mastery of finance and you talk finance and at the end they say, where can people find out more about you? Let them know that you have a website, that you are a novelist, and then share your brief story of how you became uh, a full-time novelist in my case. And and that uh, if people have dreams, they can achieve what they want through wise use of money. Check out your books. You're not going to get a ton of sales, but you may get some sales uh, when you're outside of your hit zone. I think where you're going to see the most sales, the most activity, the most movement is when you really pair your uh, novels, your stories, what you're trying to actually sell with shows that uh, want to promote those things to their listenership because they have active listenerships that are actively purchasing, looking for the next book. They're there to find a story that they can dive deep into. So you're going to see a lot more movement from those shows. Uh, With that in mind, you can talk to many of my previous guests on the show. I tell people when they interview on my show, do not expect to move a lot of books because you are talking to an audience of authors. Um, And that may seem counterintuitive, but most people who listen to my show are not listening to find their next book. They are listening to learn how to sell their own book. And when you are coming to a show with that objective, you're just not going to be in a, a position most of the time where you go out and buy other people's books. There are exceptions to every rule. I think I've said this on recent podcasts, but I very rarely sell my own books on my podcast. Do I regret that I set it up this way? depends on the day. Sometimes I wish I had created a show that would have a warmer audience to what I'm trying to do because I have had to build two bridges for quite a long time and more than two bridges. But that goes again back to the idea that being an expert in any field gives you exposure in a lot of other fields. Um, Not to mention some of my very best friendships have been built through this podcast. People that uh, if they were not in my life now, I would not be selling books. I probably 
if I'm honest, I may have actually walked away from this. There have been some really dark days along the way. Um, and having people like Chris, having people like Rich, having people like Heather have really impacted my stick to There's another frumpy word for you. So if you find after using the free version of Listen Notes that you sort of exhausted your search terms, um, and you can't find any other podcasts that feel like a good fit, and you're just really struggling to maximize the free usage, you can pay, like I said, $30 for two days premium. What that allows you to do is search all the way through all of the page listings. I, this is just a clever way for them to make money, but they claim that there are companies out there that will scrape all of the information off their website. And that may actually be true, um, but they won't allow you to search deeper than three page results. So I think you get maybe 10 to a dozen page results per search term, and you can go to the third one before it prevents you from, from looking deeper. Um, if you get the premium membership for $30, you can go all the way back many times. Like if you look for a show about writers, you might find 15 page results for of podcasts or more um, for reading, for book reviews. You can customize your search term just like a search engine. I mean, really, Listen Notes is a podcast-specific search engine um, that you can use fully when you pay for that membership. What I would say, if you are going to pay for the $30 membership to, to really focus on getting podcast interviews is one, make sure your spreadsheet is set up. Make sure you have predetermined a lot of search terms that you want to use. You don't want any wasted time. And also this would be for writers who can actually spare maybe eight hours, 10 hours a day. It's going to feel like a grind, but you want to make the most of that $30. So you don't have to spend it again to get access again. It will cancel after two days. You'll go back to only being able to look uh, very shallowly at the podcast out there. So really is, is say, okay, um, I have a nine to five job or whatever your schedule is. I know that I'm not going to be able to devote as many hours to this as I want. Maybe it's a weekend project. Maybe you say bye-bye to one weekend so that you can just sit down on Saturday, Sunday, uh, take some methamphetamine, snort a little uh, Coke and get yourself to work. I am kidding. Don't use drugs. Drugs are bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, just get yourself in the zone, have caffeine uh, and uh, some snacks if you're that kind of person. Uh, okay, well, actually, let me just say, don't have snacks. Snacks, unless they're like a prescription thing. Anyways, just, just don't have, they don't actually help you focus. I don't know where this piece of the culture came from that we think we have to have snacks. Uh, you go into a meeting nowadays and people have like muffins and all kinds of stuff. It's like you don't you don't need that. It in fact really dulls your brain. It does the opposite of make you sharp. Um, so have your caffeine that's proven to make you sharp. Uh, drink your coffee, drink your diet coke, whatever it might be, um, and then and then just do some deep work. Take little breaks. Get back to it. Take a little walk. Get back to it. Um, make the most of those hours because um, we don't want to spend thirty dollars and not get the most out of it. That's how I feel. Maybe you, maybe you have a more expendable income than even I do in that res uh, uh, respect. <laughs> so uh, if that's the case, uh, spend your money any way that you wish. Um, but that's what I would say is really have a game plan if you're going to do the uh, paid version of Listen Notes. And then one thing that you want to keep in mind is on the paid version, you can scrape emails, not scrape. This is a different term, a different word. I might talk about scraping in a future episode because there can be some benefits to uh, ethical scraping of email addresses and uh, messaging and things of that nature. In fact, I want to have Rich back on because he knows how to uh, set up like auto messages on Twitter and things like that using the IP. But even that will cost you, I think, $100 now to have access to the IP for Twitter slash X. 
Um, but okay, so you've done all of this. You're building up your list. Now let's talk a little bit about the pitch. I thought this was going to be a shorter show, but it feels like it's ramping up to be a medium length, longer show. How do you want to pitch? What I do is I have a template that I pitch with. And the template is specifically for shows that I want to pitch my book on. Uh, and I pitch the first book in my series because it can be a little jarring to pitch people on book three of a series. Even if they stand alone, you typically either want to leave out that they're part of a series or you want to start with book one. Don't don't confuse people by, by saying that you're on book number two of your series. Um, once you've started a dialogue, maybe you can open that up and be like, here is what I'm doing. I'm actually on book four. I'd love to talk about it. Um, but, you know, really book one is where it all starts. And that probably is the, the best bang for your buck uh, for the audience. You're going to develop the template based on that. Uh, and, and each message you send, you are going to adapt the template. At a very minimum, you want to address it to the podcast host or hosts. Do not send out a pitch that just says, hey, or hello, or, you know, dear John Doe. You really want to make sure you know who the podcast host is. From that template, you want to have a little section in there that's your credentials, why you're reaching out, why you think you'd make a great guest, and why you believe that you can bring them a new listenership, a new audience, um, new interest in their show, because they want people who can increase their visibility. And if you can't deliver on that, it's going to be a fairly short plank before you're diving in the ocean uh, and drowning. You need to be able to deliver on being an interesting guest and bringing them more listeners, tugging some of your audience toward them. It's okay to share your audience. Don't worry about it. Uh, there are plenty of people to go around. So that's the really big thing. When you do this pitch, make sure address the podcast host or hosts. Make sure that you adapt the template to their show in some way and make sure that you tell them why you are going to bring value. If you do those things, I think you'll get a better response. Um, then you also want to have what I would not call a template, but just like movable pieces or clips or snippets, because some podcasts, especially the ones that I talked about earlier, where it's maybe not in your perfect wheelhouse, you're still going to include some of the same features, podcast host names uh, and why you're going to bring value for them. But when you're outside of your hit zone, you don't want to pitch them on a book because they're going to be confused. Like, why is this person coming to me? You want to pitch them on their topic. So it's going to be a lot more labor intensive to write those emails. If you know that you're going to pitch a whole bunch in the finance area for any reason, go ahead and craft up a template that maybe fits that. Uh, how about health and wellness? Same thing. Craft a template if you really think that you're going to hit a lot in a secondary area. Um, but also be careful. This came from my guest uh, several episodes ago. I'll try to link to it. But MK Williams, uh, she also, like me, loves finance. And uh, her and her husband at one point were FIRE. Uh, and that just stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. Um, so she was on the FI podcast to talk about uh, FIRE. She, I think, even wrote a novel about this that was kind of like characters on this journey. Um, and while that was fantastic, she says, looking back at it, she was on a pretty huge podcast. The FI podcast is really big, and she had very few sales from it. Uh, and, and so in that way, you want to be careful 
of expectations. If you get outside of your, your wheelhouse, understand that what you are doing when you get outside your wheelhouse is building awareness, not necessarily action. You're creating awareness. Um, and to borrow from a very relevant topic to this podcast, awareness doesn't cost very much because it doesn't produce very much. If you decide that you want to advertise your books on Facebook, you can run an awareness campaign that typically will cost you no more than like, you know, 10 or 15 cents uh, per click. But those clicks just about never. In fact, for me, I've never had a single sale on an awareness campaign. Some people do. Um, I, I never personally have. Um, so just know when you're going in that uh, awareness is is not going to drive action very much. And if it does, it'll be in ways that are uh, unbelievably unpredictable uh, and probably farther down the road. So now that you have built your template, now that you have identified the podcast that you want to pitch, you want to send out all of those emails, send out your messages on Instagram, Messenger, LinkedIn, Twitter, X, wherever you're going. Uh, and then you want to start building a follow-up schedule where I would really encourage you to get outside your comfort zone is I would encourage you to do a follow-up just two days after your initial email. Some people feel like that's not enough. You might add in a pad if you pitched them on a Friday afternoon or maybe a Saturday or Sunday, give yourself one extra day um, to account for the weekend. But that's assuming that all of us are working nine to five Monday through Friday, which is simply not the case. Many podcast hosts work at restaurants and other places that have very unpredictable schedules. So don't overvalue uh, the the blankness of a weekend. In fact, I would say, um, don't even think about it. I personally follow up in two days. If I don't hear back on the follow-up in two days, then I craft what I call my final follow-up. And in the final follow-up, you actually are going to threaten the podcast host. I'm using that uh, language very specifically so that maybe you stop and hear me. You're going to threaten the podcast host that if they don't respond to you, you're not going to bug them again. Okay, that's a really important threat, and it's one that you must follow through on. Um, the exceptions to that rule are extremely scarce. And so when you use it, you are using it seriously, respectfully, um, and you are using it as a way to get attention. I find that the third follow-up is best done at about a week out from the second follow-up. So you write your initial email, wait two days follow up, and then a week from that follow up, do your final follow up with the threat. And, and it's a really simple one. You say, uh, dear Bob, I sent an email to you on the 10th of March, uh, and I have not heard back from you. I understand that we are very busy. And so I wanted to again follow up with you because I believe I'd be a great fit for your podcast. But I also know that it can be difficult to tell somebody no. And so if I don't hear from you again, I'm going to assume you're not interested and you won't hear from me after this. So please respond if you're interested uh, anytime now or in the future. You'll be surprised uh, at the hit rate that you get on that email. It tends to be, for me, the very best. And what it doesn't do is guarantee that you're actually going to get a yes. But typically what will happen is Bob will say, oh, you know what? It's not going to work right now, but they're right. Like I, I don't have to close this door. And so typically they'll be like, yeah, you got me. I was really busy. Um, I do have to let you know calendars all full up right now, uh, but thanks for your interest. All right. 
That response is really common after email number three, if you've gotten there. That response may be common at email number one, depending on how people run their shows, who they have monitoring their messages, like all of those kind of things will depend. But a lot of times the no will not uh, be a closed door. A lot of times the no will simply be my calendar is all full, or at this time, we don't feel like you're a good fit. They very, <laughs> they very, very rarely say, um, you're just not a fit for this show. And if they do, definitely mark that down, you're done. Um, but if they say at this time, any kind of language that leaves a crack in the door, then you immediately follow up to that email because now they have, they've, they've responded. So you don't have to follow through on your threat because they replied. Um, and maybe you got this response before then, but either way, once they reply, you absolutely have to reply back and you want to do that as promptly as possible. I would say this is where um, the famous sunset rule uh, uh, really, really applies, which is uh, always respond to an email the same day before you know sunset, before you quit your day, basically. This one is incredibly important that you do that follow-up quickly. So you get that reply back from Bob at this time, uh, it's not going to be a good fit, or at this time, my calendar is awful, whatever version of language that is. Oh, great. Thank you so much for the response. I completely understand. Um I believe I can bring great value to your audience in the future because of X. When would you like me to follow back up to see if you might have an opening? Um, that's the strongest reply that I have found. It's uh, You can look this up in copywriting wherever you want to. Uh, the when would you like me to reach back out? That format is very powerful. It will get people to respond to you and be like, oh, um, you know, I don't know right now. Or they might say, catch up with me in June, or they might say, I'm pretty booked out through the whole year. Uh, you're going to determine based on their response, what the best next action is. Typically, if they if they really throw you off like that, like that example of a year, um, you might throw that on your spreadsheet, calendar it in and really truly follow up in a year. If they say June, um, you'd be like, awesome, I will follow up with you in June, and then follow up with them middle of the way through May. I know this sounds crazy. And I, now all this is assuming that you're listening to me today in uh, February, but I know that they said June, follow up with them a little bit sooner and be like, hey, I just looked at my calendar. I am so slammed in June. It's okay to say things like this. You might feel weird about it, but it's okay to say it. And then if if you're not comfortable with like like what that might feel like is a white lie to you, then make yourself slammed, make yourself busy. Um, there's no reason that you can't say something and then make it come true. Uh, isn't that how we all lose weight and different things is that we say like, I'm going to weigh 185 pounds on March 12th. Um, at any rate, whatever, whatever format it is that you're comfortable with yourself, make sure that when you follow up uh, a little bit early on that one, for example, um, you follow up in the middle of May. I, I looked at my calendar. I'm so slammed in June. You'd asked me to follow up. So I just wanted to quickly touch base and see, has anything popped up on your calendar where it would make sense to get me scheduled for a podcast interview? And then you're going to want to lightly remind them who you are uh, because very few people are going to have memories that good, but they're going to remember um, your, your original emails. Um, and that, my friends, is a fairly thorough outline for you to follow when trying to guest on podcasts. Um, as I told you, I just started this prior, uh, process on Friday. So uh, I've got myself a podcast interview that I'm going to be conducting here at 10 o'clock. Um, I'm going to drop this podcast today. And then the very next thing I'm going to start doing is following up with those uh, emails from, from people that I sent out on Sunday uh, and, and trying to uh, get them engaged with this process. Uh, I hope 
that this has been helpful to you. One of the things that I've been very conscious of, and I know I've mentioned it in just recent episodes, is bringing you value. I don't want to drop podcast episodes anymore. If I don't feel like I have something important to say, um, you can really, you can really get wrapped up in podcast rankings and listen scores and uh, downloads and all of those kind of things. And it can almost go to this place where it's a bit unconscious, where you're just like, I just need to keep the machine pumping. Uh, and perhaps perhaps from the perspective of uh, like growth and domination, that's the kind of attitude you need to have. So I can't guarantee that I won't uh, eventually um, decide that's how I want to do it again. But at this time in my life, I feel like I want to give you podcast episodes with great value, um, which most of those are going to be interviews from people who are doing this kind of stuff. But occasionally I'm going to have these solo episodes because I do think that I've run into something that might provide value to you. Uh, what I would love is, can you give me some feedback? Can you let me know? You can reply to the email you get in your inbox. Uh, if you're signed up for TRVM, you, you're going to get an announcement that this episode drops. Give me a reply. Let me know. Did this episode help you? Is this something you were thinking about? Is there a topic you'd love to hear me cover? Because uh, I'm always open to topics. Uh, is there somebody you think that I should interview? I love those. One of my very favorite interviews ever was suggested to me by uh, Dr. Simonson. He said, you really need to reach out to Michael J. Sullivan. His fiction is amazing and he's killing it on Kickstarter. Um, and that turned into one of my, my favorite interviews ever uh, and uh, probably a lost opportunity. But um, those those two, Michael and his wife, Robin, are amazing. Uh, and uh, I would never be in direct sales without that recommendation from Dr. Simonson. So um, if you are a listener and you have topics or uh, guests you'd love uh, to be on this show, just shoot me a note. You can reply to my email. I always put it in uh, the show notes. It's also jodyjsperling at gmail.com. Uh, I am very, very good at replying to emails at this time in my life, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I love hearing from you guys. It makes me feel and realize that I am doing some good in the world other than just finding readers, which uh, another time, another episode, but uh, never believe that writing an entertaining novel uh, is not of value to this world because being entertained uh, can mean all kinds of different things for all kinds of different people. Um, and very often over the last couple of months, uh, when I've been going through hard times, I have reached for entertainment that has helped me to escape uh, just the, the sheer pain that I've been feeling. Um, and so that in and of itself is plenty reason to write a book. Thanks so much. I'm going to have another episode drop for you tomorrow. Uh, and in the meantime, be well, keep writing, market, sell some books. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? Calling all self-published authors. If you live in the United States and you've always wanted to see your books in bookstores, this may be the most important ad you'll hear in 2023. Listen carefully. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, it's not too early to position yourself to pursue brick-and-mortar bookstore distribution. But if you're a self-published author, you've probably heard, getting your books in stores is next to impossible. That's no longer the case. For just $5, 
you'll receive a lifetime membership to the self-published author co-op. When you join, you'll have access to a members-only community with a detailed roadmap on how to get your books ready for bookstore distribution. Joining our community does not guarantee bookstore distribution, as there's a limited availability each month to be a featured author. And that's why the cost of a lifetime membership is less than a cup of coffee. Whether you're just about to publish your first book, or you're selling thousands of copies a month, if you don't have your books in bookstores, the Self-Published Author Co-op is the easiest, most efficient way to get national distribution of your books. Click the link in the show notes to join now.